Action Park Media. All right, welcome to Ramble On, the uh, official podcast of the unofficial television show Ramble On. And this is honestly, I don't know what else to say, guys. This is an enormous week. We have no idea what's going to happen. And I don't think there's ever been a podcast that talks about stuff like this in real time. But we have many meetings. Um, How the process has worked is we sent the show around to people and those who wanted to meet, which has been several want to meet. And then, uh, you know, we we all pitch it. We got to pitch it. We got to sell it. And, and again, some people don't understand what the difference is. Let me explain what entourage. This is was. a good. This is a good explanation. Me. The story you're about to tell is is insightful. I hope it's the right one. Now, when you're talking about the difference, you're talking about buying in the room, right? Yes. Uh, this okay. Is- so, for instance, and I have, I've probably pitched, I don't know, thirty-seven things over the last thirty years. Let's call it forty. Okay, call it 40. Make it easy. All right. And Gary Goldman is with us, too. Producer. Extraordinary. And I have probably sold, I would say, I probably over 50%, 43%, let's say. 45% from the field. I mean, it would be incredible batting average if it was baseball. But, by the way, that doesn't mean they get made either. So then you go lower. So I've probably sold and I've gotten, uh, I've made uh, two pilots, (coughs) four movies. So... You know, the batting average of getting made goes way, way down. But here's the thing that we're talking about with Ramble on, and I want to explain this as clear as I can. When I walked into HBO, which at the time, with Entourage, with Steve Levinson and Ari Emanuel uh, by my side. Mark Wahlberg was not, was not with us, but was with us because he was Mark Wahlberg. But when we walked in there, and HBO was the only game in town and the biggest, most uh, it was it was everyone's dream to get a show at HBO. That was the the king of the world. So that meeting was extremely nerve wracking because there was nowhere else to go if they didn't sell it. But at the same time, what we were asking for is them to pay for a script to be written, fifty thousand dollars. Okay, which you know, I, I believe me, I couldn't have been happier when they said yes. But they were giving us fifty thousand dollars, and they were probably giving that because of Ari. And Mark and just going, we'll take a flyer because it's fifty thousand dollars. Right. Very different than what we're doing now. That you can green light in the room. All yeah. those people have the power to go boom, you're on, yep. game on. And they did. They bought it in the room, but that does not mean there was any show going. So what they got to do for the next over 18 months, which they did <laughs> as much as they can, was A, get to know myself, Lev. Um, and decide, do we want to work with these people as well as can they get the script to a place that we want to get it to this one? There's none of that. So we're walking into rooms with people who, who most really all of them have never met us before. And by us right now, I mean, Charlie and myself, because that's how this team decided was the way we should go about doing it, which is just Charlie and I in the room. And that's what we've done. And we had a a great meeting yesterday and we had, uh, we'll have one later today and then we have one tomorrow, but yeah. Take us through for people that don't know, what is the room, the room, like, so what the room, all right, so the room yesterday, and it can be anything, you know, right. the, I'll, I'll give you the, the HBO room, which I've talked about on Victory before, but I'll give it to you really clearly. It was Ari Emanuel, who I'd never met in my entire life. who repre- you walked into the room with him. We walked into the bill. No, he was there already. Oh, he was. Lev and I drove together. You had Ari Emanuel and you had my agent, Jeff Jacobs, who was my camp counselor 30 years earlier. <laughs> anyway, so Jeff, great guy. 
And Ari, who I'd never heard of, never met, nothing. And I am sitting here just like this, because by the way, this is my binder for my pitch. This is 35 pages, which some pitches, I'll get all of this out. Some of it, I'll get none of it out before either you get people loving what you're saying or you realize they can't stand you and you better. Can you pick up on that vibe? Oh, I pick up. Will you know early on if they're feeling it or not? Yes. One thing I'm good at is reading social cues, and uh, that's why stand-up was tough. When When you're not doing well, that used to take the energy right out of me. So I'm very good. When the room's good, I get better. When the room's bad, I get get worse. worse. Which uh, Gary looks like he's going to die right now. I was just trying not to sneeze. Carry on. I mean, did, were you worried about him? He's still full from yesterday. Yeah, we're going to get into <laughs> Gary and I stress eating yesterday because I'm on day like 37 of, of no sugar, and I spent the day with Gary yesterday, and it just was a complete calamity. But we'll get into that. But anyway. Unthinkable what you guys yeah. So you walk into the room. That room in the waiting room, there was Ari. And there was Jeff and they had some type of beef together that I don't even know anything about it. But the way the meeting started, I swear. Was, I but like walk us through, you walk into the room. You walk, walk in there with like, Larry. Right, we're ready for you. So you no, before, I'm starting before that uh, in the lobby and I'm holding my, my sheets of paper and I'm like nervous as shit and, and you know, whatever. And, uh, I just remember Jeff, uh, Jeff goes, I heard you stayed at the Four Seasons Maui to Ari. And uh, I don't know anything about the relationship. I don't know nothing. And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, what rate did you pay? And Ari, I swear to God, Ari Mallon goes, I don't fucking know, Jeff. I got the fucking bill and I paid it. And then he turns to the HBO counter and goes, tell Carolyn I got about 10 more minutes and I'm walking out of here. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I've never seen anything like it. We go into the meeting at HBO to pitch Entourage. We start to walk into the fucking joint. <laughs> <laughs> Am I getting New York? <laughs> we Am start to walk into, into the fucking joint. Ca- Carolyn Strauss was there? Carolyn Strauss, Sarah Condon, <laughs> and I-, I don't even want to say Jada was there because I don't remember. But mm-hmm. she was, I don't know if Jada was there at that point, but definitely Carolyn and Sarah, I remember for sure. So two women, by the way, we're pitching a very male-centric show. Um, They're gangsters, though. But Just so you know, Carolyn Strauss' most recent projects were Chernobyl and The Last of Us. The Last of Us. By the way, Gary, that was fantastic. That should have been Stock Tip giving that information. But Gary's a guest today. But Stock Tip, I want you to learn from that. Uh, Gary Gary's also a, has a personal relationship with Carolyn Strauss. Yeah, and Carolyn Strauss is one of my favorite people in this town, the even best. though for whatever reason she didn't want to talk about Entourage. She's in the, certainly one of the smarter She did not want to talk about Entourage in the HBO book uh, um, Tinderbox, which is fantastic. I don't know why. So anyway, but I love Carolyn. And Carolyn. Sometimes was, if you don't have anything nice to say. I mean, maybe she just didn't, you know, want to say anything. Why would she not have anything? No, I'm just saying, maybe she didn't want to. Did you do something to her? Why would she have that? She loves me. Anyway, she loved me. Our kids went to school together at Gary's as well. Anyway, so we walk into that room, and it's just like the stress is so high from first from our two agents, Ari, who represented Mark and Lev, and Jeff, who represented me. I could feel they hate each other's guts, and it felt really awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm just sitting there and like, you know, Lev is Lev and, you know, and, and Mark is his, his big movie star client and Ari is the biggest agent in the world and Jeff is huge at CAA and I'm the f- schmuck who's never done anything in television, ever. Nothing, 0.0. Right. 0. I've made two independent movies and that's it. And I get ready to talk and Ari Emanuel, and I know we've said this on Victory, but Ari goes, uh, it's about Mark and his friends. This guy's going to write it. If it sucks, we're going to fire him and someone else is going to rewrite it. And As I remember it, I don't really think I pitched anything. I don't think I said anything. I kind of was like, yeah. (laughs) But but to your your point, we're bringing it it full circle is that 
that was far less of a commitment for yes. them to do in the room. With what we're out doing now, we're now saying, hey, we've done all that, and now we need the big bucks. Yeah, so I will get to that, but yes. So anyway, we walked out of the room, and uh, before we even got downstairs, Ari called Lev on a cell phone and said, done. Which, again, I remember in Century City, which was where HBO, Lev and I walked Century City. Those two big buildings. Yeah. Right? yeah if yeah. you remember Vanilla Sky when Cruz is walking the street and it's, there's no one there and he feels like the world is his, it felt like the greatest achievement of our lives. And I, I believe that Levinson would say the same thing. But like a euphoric feeling. Oh, it was like we, because again, it's so hard to explain how big HBO was. And especially for this particular show, there was no nowhere else to go. Right. So it was either they buy it or, or throw it in the trash. You right. know, but I didn't have much to do with that sale. Um, Ari really did it all. Right. And Mark obviously being Mark, but that meant nothing <laughs> except for $50,000 in my pocket over the next 22 months to write it, to right. write it and to write it again and again and again. So at first they bought it because, you know, you got a great movie star and a big agent telling you to buy it. Then it becomes okay. Now at a, which is why I want to talk about the difference with the pitch now, First of all, they have to get a script that they love or that they think can work or whatever they want. But also they get a year or whatever amount of time to see how your relationship is, how you work. How with. do you take notes? Yeah, because, you know, and I've talked about this before, but, you know, I brought the guys in who created Billions to create for HBO, which they were paid to uh, create a show called Hedge, which was my idea that Lev and I produced that was going to be about a Stevie Cohn type hedge fund manager and whatever. Again, those guys wrote it and wrote a great script. But when HBO said, we love this script, we've got some notes. They literally said, we're not taking any notes. They went no notes. And that was the end of the project. It was dead until they, you know, until I introduced them to Andrew Ross Sorkin and they went and made it somewhere else, but whatever. And again, I didn't write a word of it. So don't ever let anyone say they plagiarized. Those guys are great writers, which is why I wanted them to write the right. show for me, but they were paid by HBO to write a show called hedge. And then they took it after I introduced them to Andrew Sorkin and for some reason decided not to call me and make a show called Billions. So that's the, the facts of the matter. But HBO got a year to look at me and see, hopefully, that I was collaborative, that I was willing to take their notes, that I was a team player. How do you player. apply the notes, right? Yeah. So they, they take that time that's necessary to really dig in. So it's more than just notes. It's like, all right, we'll see. Let's see how this, how this, right. how this uh, relationship develops. Right, so. and by the way, during that time, you know, executives get fired, things right. happen. So it could have all just got up and spoken. In fact, well, did you know this at the time or, or is it just in hindsight that you realized that well, that's well, what they were doing? Well, I mean, it makes I know, total sense. I know you got to get the script. Look, no, things, I'm talking about the nurturing of the relationship. Well, the nurturing of the relationship, but you also got to remember, even after a year and a half of working with me, they made me hire my boss to oversee me. So, <laughs> so they still didn't trust me. Well, it's like, all right, we're ready to take the next step. Let's like give them a, not a chaperone isn't a fair word, but somebody it to is watch a very back. fair word. It's right. a very fair see, word. And like you learn the ropes and it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's yeah. like being a backup quarterback when you're the, the, the inevitable starter of the future. Well, or you're not because there's plenty of shows where people create and then they end up getting thrown off and that guy comes in and basically takes their position. Like, For I don't want to make it about this guy, but if there's a world where, you know, it doesn't even matter. We could say, should we say his name? No. All right. So there, there, whoever Doug's initial chaperone was, yeah. right? Like if he would have just came in and crushed it, maybe they're like, Doug, this guy ain't going anywhere. hundred percent. Right. Like, absolutely. By the way, I still had to hire someone after that, but I think they trusted me more after the pilot. And then we got, 
got Larry Charles, which was like a godsend game, for me. Game over. Because right. Gar- but Larry Charles, forgetting how good of a writer he is, Larry was someone, unlike the first guy, who was a team player. And really, uh, I think, and hopefully Larry would say that too, which Larry should come back on victory. But Larry... Uh, I think helped me be the best I could be. Whereas the other guy, we seem to be in competition with oh, each you, other. Oh, you, fe- you felt like Larry Charles brought the best out of you. And oh showed yeah. You how to be the best well, well, Larry, Larry saw my anxiety and stress and helped me manage that. Where the other guy tried to exacerbate it, and I think would have been thrilled if they said, "Okay, we're getting rid of." It happens all the time. Larry Charles has this quality. Yeah. That he just is. I don't know. Some people just have it. He is. Soothing. You and, look and at Larry just, Charles and it feels like it's going to be okay. Yeah, and let's let everyone know who Larry oh, Charles is. If you don't, Larry Charles is executive producer on Seinfeld, Curb, yeah. uh, directed Borat, directed right. Um, right. Religiosity, and it honestly is Worked A. With a, Bob Dylan. Yep, and and A is a genius, and B just really kept, you know, especially. He had literally had beads, like relaxation beads. Yeah, and Rob Weiss was like my, you know, my right hand season one, and um, we both had no idea what we were doing. So Larry really helped us to to think you guys are, you guys can be good at this. So HBO was but not. But did he say relax? Did he uh, give you that speech? Like oh, Larry, I think because you was and more than Weiss, that. I'm sure, screaming at each other on a daily basis, right? And I Larry's mean, like, guys, I mean, we would be there at four o'clock in the morning, looking like we were both gonna die. And Larry, I mean, Larry. I've never seen anything like it. Larry could write a script. And, and again, I love Larry's writing, but I'm trying to get my voice out of other people, which is always not an easy challenge. But Larry could write a script. He would write it on a cocktail napkin in a few hours. And if I said I didn't like it, He'd write another one. <laughs> I mean, he just like right, he would just write another one. Yeah, right. I mean, he he's honestly he's a, a freak of nature. He's a special special, special talent guy. and and a and a and a great great person. He's also fu- I mean, obviously, you know, you're in that world of Borat and Seinfeld and Larry and you know and Larry David. He's really fucking funny. Yeah, and Larry also Charles is super funny. But you if know, he what? gets it. It's funny. But you also yeah. gave me a perfect understanding of like Larry Charles is hilariously funny, but. I wanted Entourage to be a certain tone. And Larry, obviously, how would he know what that tone is until we really, really get it? So Larry sometimes pushed stuff to Borat-like comedy. And when you think about that on Entourage, I'm just like, no, 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 this isn't the show. But Larry, which I think, you know, when I, I we've talked about this before, but the Zucker brothers, I saw them talking about Airplane. And when they have those crazy lines, which, you know, are not PC anymore, when they go, you ever seen a grown man naked, Billy? You know, He's ever been in a Turkish prison, but he said that line started out with like, you ever give a, a man a blowjob? And, and his brother was like, what the fuck? But you like movies about gladiators, <laughs> but you learn where the line is and you learn how to tone down and you learn how to get it. So anyway, you like it when boo rubs up and down, Chuck grabs your leg and rubs up and down. <laughs> Conley, do not quote lines from airplane two. It's a piece of Doug shit. I fundamentally, <laughs> I fundamentally disagree with and you. And even when you say it, I can I, see the difference. The subtle difference knew, in that writing. By the way, I knew that you were, I knew you were going to react. It, it's, this isn't even a bit. Doug despises airplane too. And I think it's, I think it's a crazy, yeah, I'm, I'm right. crazy. Let me thought. bring something back around that you just said that I think is uh, really important for the pitch, for victory, for, um, for ramble on in the room. What you're trying to define is tone. What's one thing for sure? Yeah. What do you mean? What, of the, are you talking the, about of the show or of just in general? What Doug was doing for Entourage, describe the tone, yep. trying to describe to another writer tone. Like yep. we can all say, this is the script. This is locations. This is the cast. 
But I think the most important thing yeah. is what's the tone. Yeah. And I think that's a, a yeah. big job for you personally. Yeah. I think tone and plot are imperative to explain mm-hmm. to someone in the room who the characters are. This one, which, you know, actually it's, it's wild because we've had some great help from Sean Avery, read my pitch document and had great notes. Jim Miller, who wrote the HBO book. By the way, Tinder Jim Box. Miller, not, obviously him and Larry Charles are very different, but I hold him in that same regard. They're intellectuals. Yeah. And they're also, they're just, they're very thoughtful people. I wonder what Jim Miller would think of your little pitch document there, Doug. Guy writes 800-page books. He read it. I know, but I'm saying, look at your little... Oh, you I think he's like, oh, yeah, real rough job you <laughs> yeah. got. Yeah, Doug, I could look this over tonight. I'm sure yeah. I could glance through this. Yeah, and by the way, he, he you know, he's one of those guys, he's like a computer. By the way, says, Andrew, Andrew James Miller wrote Tinderbox, ESPN, CA, the CAA book. I mean, he, he interviewed 800 people for the... HBO book. I mean, the guy is so smart. It's fucking stupid, bro. Yeah, but every, everybody should read that book, Tinderbox, because it is a great story of, of HBO. There's another book that's horrible by some he's hack also, at the New York he, Times. He's but anyway, also, read that he, one. He, Jim Miller's also a very normal dude. So we live near each other. <laughs> and when I see him, I don't recognize him because I have like, it's almost like, he's Jim Miller. What would he be doing at Gil Turner's in an Eagle sweatshirt? He's like, Kevin. But that was a bad Jim moment. Miller. That was a bad moment. I was worried for both of you. You ran into each other like two in the morning at Gil Turner's no, grabbing not, brown by the way, bag. It's, it's the whiskey. only, it's the only, like, Gil Turner's is, is from the heavens. Oh, bro. yeah. Great, They're open. Great liquor store. store. They're open we all night. There. It's right at the base of Doheny, and mm-hmm. it's like a major stop. If you're heading up the hill, it's a major stop. I, I, Jim Miller is like, he had a bottle of something weird too, I guess, right? <laughs> was it Boone's? We, we, we were both, we said we both, the, uh, we both had like liquor bottles in our hand and we were waiting, but he had a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. He just looked like a dude getting a bottle of whiskey. I'm like, he's like, it's Jim Miller. I'm like, oh my God, I just. What are you shopping? At Gil, what are you doing at Gil Turner's? Bro? Do, you remember the, do you remember the Boone's Farm and uh, they were bringing a Jessica Alba or someone it's said, well, I'm, not Alba, it's ju- I'm like, $200, of course, E bitching. <laughs> $200 for a bottle of wine? It's Jessica Alba E. I can't give her Boone's phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite scenes, by the way, when you come out of that. By the way, that's store. not Gil Turner's. That's the one up on uh, on Sunset in Fairfax. We Are you shoot- serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one across from oh. uh, Bristol Farms. Yes, I'm 100% positive. You know what? That's so depressing to me when I really remember something like it actually happened then it didn't. It's kind of like when Mike Young remembered that he was uh, Larry Charles had offered him the role of Vince in this show when yeah. Larry Charles hadn't worked on the pilot of Entourage. Yo, but- there's one thing I want to say, too, about the pitch and and you know, about you and Charlie going in to pitch this thing. And, um, you know, whatever the discussion was of me going in or me not going in, um, I, I don't, honestly, I don't think I'm, I'm built for it currently. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, I mean, um, however you landed on me not coming in or not really, because if obviously Doug really pressed me, I am what cho- I would have had to go, right? But yeah. it was never something that I was advocating for. But however it, we came to that or you guys came to that, um, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just the the weight of the moment. Well, a little here, bit overwhelmed. And I don't know that process. I bring anything to the table. My, so I, why, think, I think you do bring plenty to the table. But my thought process was they want to hear what the show is. Forgetting if there's any stars attached to it. Let's assume there's, it's just a script. They want to know bolt by bolt what this show is. And then my thought on Charlie was they want to look him in the eyes. They want to know he's healthy. They want to know he's committed. And also... You know, they, uh, to me, I believe it's a good thing when he walks in the building and not that you don't have that no, same thing. Bro, I'm, my feet are planted very firmly on the ground. But Charlie you're talking Sheen's about one of the fucking, biggest stars. Charlie Sheen's a fucking megastar. And when he fucking walks into wherever it is where you guys go pitch, there's like going to be a buzz in the air. There just is. Yeah. So, and, and 
I, I didn't want to get it too crowded because then, you I, know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm actually glad. I was thinking, what if Doug, because when I spoke to Charlie, he was basically asked me, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I didn't really have an explanation for it other than, like, sometimes I feel right now, I'm, I think I'm a little too uh, emotional. Gary's breathing very heavily so what into we, the mic. It's fucking Calm still down, full from yesterday. <laughs> so what do we got for the pitch tomorrow? You got Charlie, you got Doug Allen. We got, got a pitch binder. today and tomorrow. So, so we got later them, today, then tomorrow, and then one more on Thursday. So I've got Charlie and I, which it's interesting, you know, Connolly freaked me out after I did the pitch today. This is why I know I, I also get in your head very easily, even when I'm not trying no, to. No, but I like your head. You don't fuck me up, but you did say something <laughs> today. You're like... Why didn't you fucking get, get your hair? You got the you got the Dr. Zeering hair transplant. Why not fucking bust it out and look as good and as youthful as you could? So today, I kind of looked like this for the pitch, which I thought, it's weird because I'm now at that stage. I'm 54 years old. And you know when we were like 20 and you see the 54-year-old guy who's wearing a fucking hat and jeans and you're like, what a jerk like, off. Like wearing thinks- Dylan's weed hat <laughs> to the fucking <laughs> Netflix building from that episode. That is exactly right. So now you you're got- trying to like, I don't want to try to look like I'm too, trying too hard to look cool and hip. Right. I was just being who I am. But- you are youthful. Yeah. But when you said it today, I said, you know what? You're fucking right. So tomorrow- I got Raysa, who's, you know, I want everyone to understand the family dynamic that has been Ramble On, that all came from Entourage. We have at least 40 people from Entourage that worked on Ramble On. By the whole, not only that, the, if Ramble On were to move forward, we literally have our entire crew on standby, yeah. ready to go, which says a lot about both Gary and Doug. Yeah, so Raysa, who who did everyone's hair on the show, is going to... Raysa Patton. Yeah, is going to come in here tomorrow at 7. And it's funny, because you would think Charlie is just like... No big deal. But Charlie's like, A, he gets everywhere an hour early. B, I said, why don't we meet for lunch? Because I don't want to spill anything on right, myself say, before right. he the... He wants to have a fresh sheet. <laughs> yeah. He wants to have a fresh... Uh, fresh Did you say a sheen? Sheet. No, it <laughs> um, hey, Doug, do you... Is there a sense of... And just because, you know, whatever, bro, it, it's been a minute. Are you reintroducing yourself? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody wants to know a lot of things. Why haven't I made more shows? And why doesn't Kevin Connolly act more? And the truth is they're both very similar reasons. We both have extreme anxiety. We both like, <laughs> no, we do. It's true. Right. We both like to do the work more than we like to do the work to get the work. And, you know, I, the reason I wanted to make this show, which it seemed so easy at the time, and it was, making the show was really easy, but it's just not, and, and we're going to keep getting into why it's so much more difficult than just selling a script, but I wanted to go make something without having to ask every single question about who I hire for this. And we delivered to more than I could have hoped from every department that Gary helped get everybody back together. And it looks fantastic and our costumes and everything. But I, that, that's just what I wanted to do. And I, de- I have not wanted to go through the development process. Now, that being said. Well, also, yeah. Dad, sorry. No, what I want to say is, you know, when you talk about you and I, with the rat race wore on us a little bit, right? Yeah. But I knew that starting Action Park, I, I, I can't explain it. I knew that even though, whatever, it's a podcast company and it's a content house, I, I knew that it would jar something. I didn't yeah. know what or how or where, but but let's face it, right? Like you came in, you were like, what the fuck is this place? Work yeah. begats work. That's what I'm saying. Like, we, we would just jam but also, it and we'd just like... But just also, kept- the difference is, Kevin, which why Action Park is a show, which was what Ramble On is about, and why my career started the same way 
you started Action Park. It's entrepreneurial. And while people think I've done nothing for 10 years, I've been involved with a lot of businesses. I've made enough. Oh, you've mo- made a bunch of money. I've made, enough money. I've made enough money to provide if for you myself. you were retired, I got to fucking retire. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is even though Action Park might be 8,000 times more difficult than going for 40 auditions a month. Right. It's all to build something for you. And at the end of the day, it is you. Now, me, a little different with the television show because obviously I have the cast that I have to count on. And Gary, I love you to death. And I love my Dave Perkle and everybody else. But everybody's replaceable, by the way, including me, except the cast. So at the same time, I can kind of do what I need to do, provided I can keep my cast healthy and and alive. And then obviously we got to get a streamer. But the difference is but you're what, saying that like it, there's a world where I don't even know what who a current person is, but hey, Doug, we love you. You created the show, but we're going to bring in so and so to 100 percent. And you would go, great. Let's talk. Well, let's call I, my lawyer kind of thing. Like I would definitely wouldn't go great because I, I really want to do this. But that's the other thing I wanted to say. Could just be a different version of fun. You'd still be the boss. I, I know, but right. I, I'm you not want to be on the ground. I'm, I, I hear a, I'm not about being the I boss. I didn't think that that was a really kind of a a possibility right i mean but i think you guys know how i collaborate i'm not about being the boss i'm about i yesterday we went for our lunch which we'll talk about i love it's like sports i love the camaraderie and i love when there's not (laughs) any wrenches in the in the fucking group so when we are all at our very best when we're actually standing on the set and we're together and and you allow people craftsmen to do their job we've assembled the finest group of craftsmen who love our show and and to that other point about you going in wherever you're going rarely do people uh in a room have somebody that's done eight years of a tv show already with that experience of successful tv show yeah most people they're interviewing are like your first time when you walked in right but but it is it is it is a different world it's a different generation of executives the world has evolved where entourage again i don't make any apologies for it but there's a certain level of younger people that go oh that was this that was this so it's it's incumbent on me to explain to people in my tone why this is different than entourage but why i believe it can still resonate in the culture the same way entourage did in 2003 to 2014 including the movie so i have to go do that and, you know, it, it's Doug, you're, you are and have been through this process. Um, I don't want to say overly collaborative, but here's what Doug insists on. If you're prepped and you're prepared, if a homeless guy on the street happened to f- stumble upon a link of Ramble on and he had a breakdown of notes and thoughts, Doug would sit. If Doug knew that this guy watched it and actually sat down and did those notes, Doug would say, yeah. Come on, bro. What do you got? Tell me what it is. Doug will listen. If you've done the work, he's an open book. Yeah. And that's the one thing I want to say about, about yesterday. So we had our pitch meeting yesterday. The one disaster of it, and it went very well, is I put up a lot of money along with Ted, um, a lot of money for me at this moment, to make a trailer quickly as good as we could that I think would help the pitch. And we have an amazing, amazing trailer, but it wasn't finished yesterday. It will be did finished. Did you guys, did you guys, uh, I'm also ready for you guys to tell me that I was right about that. Cause about I, I knew I said when we were futzing around in the morning hours, 
you know, still doing cuts when we needed it yesterday. Like, you know, I knew that you run that window of things download and tri- conforming. No, no you, weren't I, right. I, I, you weren't right. No, I'm just saying we made the right call because had we sent it out to everybody for more notes, we'd still be sitting there without a... Oh, you a, made the call to, like, get it done. Yo, we got to pull the trigger on a final anyway, cut. Anyway, I, I, I appreciate when you when you direct, but what I was going to say before... I wasn't is, directing. I no, was no, just no, saying, I, like, I'm being very serious, though. I appreciate when you, when you give your input, but what I was going to say <laughs> about my collaboration collaboration is I'm very clear on what I like and what I don't like. So when I hear a good idea, I go, great. But I got yesterday from about six people in here. Don't overthink it. I wasn't overthinking anything. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Don't overthink what? The pilot, uh, the trailer, the trailer, but at the, sa- hold on, but You're at a the tweaker, s- bro, but at the same time, me being up at four o'clock in the morning, two nights ago is why in my mind, Maybe the biggest laugh out loud moment of the trailer is now in that was not in the day before. And that was something that I haven't watched this pilot in four months. You're so a tweaker. I don't, I don't waste time though. I make sure I get the deadlines and I knew that we, we couldn't have been ready for yesterday, no matter who, how we who, sliced who it. Who was the, the, the director that said, you know, you never really finish your movie at a certain point. They just take it away from you. Right. Like that, and that that, the time, the sand is just out of the hourglass, bro. We got in there. That is Under true. The wire. That is true. But I want to say about this trailer, it, we weren't going to tinker any more with it. There were a couple of little just that's why I wanted two of them, which cost more money. Just give me the two endings so we don't spend any more time on this and then we'll pick one. But that being said, but I want to say to everybody, everybody out there, because yesterday after seeing the trailer, not fully sound mixed or colored, I think everyone in this room was invigorated in such a great way that it, like we have something, such a good sales tool to add to the pitch. And it was really, it was worth the money. Obviously it wasn't your money, but it was worth the time and effort that came into it. But and that by the being way, said, I mean, I, I, this is like a stupid thing to say because of course, but like, you know, talk about Monday morning quarterback. We should have did that a while ago. I said we I should know. do it a while Doug ago. Did I did not want to pay ago. for it. I mean, I've done enough for free. I didn't want but to pay I will, for it. And I, I will should've. say having seen the trailer and it is expensive, but you see why it's expensive yeah. because they did an amazing it's just job. a different thing. It's yeah. a different thing. You know, yeah. Scotty said. I could cut that. I could have cut that trailer. I well, said, Scotty, you're out of your mind. Yeah. No, you could not. By the way, Gary Goldman, no offense to Gary Goldman. Gary Thank Goldman you. found someone to uh, cut a trailer that I paid for, but that was $2,000. There you go. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. And you know what? And you know what? Do you remember this? The first thing I see is, and I said, I'm a detail-oriented person when it comes to the well, work. Well, that's not even a detail, bro. So in giant letters, it comes up, Kevin Connolly's name spelt wrong. wrong. And I almost fucking threw my remote through the TV. I said, this is exactly the type of stuff where you're dealing with something. Talk about and, getting off on the wrong foot. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, and still, I was able to watch it for what it was. And it was horrible. I mean, think about how hard we were on Dave when he spelled Gretzky wrong. <laughs> if anyone remembers for free. that. Wayne Gretzky. Dave did it for free. But it is, it is very hard to cut a trailer, and it's a specific thing because you want to not – and this is not – You don't tra- want to give too much away. You don't want to give too much away, but you want to be away. Funny. So, so kudos to Jeremy Alter, our line producer. Jeremy is arse off. Yeah. No, I mean – His uh, arse? Really, his arse. I don't want to – his ass off. But you, you know what? You could say ass in here. Really right. But that's what he the point is ass off to entrepreneurship, which every one of us is doing right now. We've been working for a year on this with the hopes that it's going to give us a future that we want. And I want to say that, you know, fortunately for me, you know, when Entourage was going on, it was, a, it was money. I needed money. I had to support my kids. I have money now. I'm not going to live the, owning private jets and islands and other shit like uh, some of Connolly's buddies. But 
I have enough money, but the same stress exists because I care that much about and what Ramble On is Gary about. Gary and I do not have money, so we would like we to We are ready work. to go back to work. <laughs> yes. But what Ramble On is about and what I will talk about on the pitch is it is about finding purpose, and I don't want anyone to think it's corny in that manner. No, uh, Entourage not. was wish fulfillment with your best friends and what would you do if your best friends and you were in fantasy land and and by the way i don't know if you saw that barstool thing they posted this thing on barstool where every show is entourage which i appreciate it it's obviously a little ridiculous a sopranos came on way before us but i saw started seeing comments and i like to fire up at the people yes, you do. one guy's like entourage is an overrated show and you know i got in there i'm like your face is overrated you fucking jerk off right. but you know what i'm saying it's like it's like you know, we know what we did. And the reason we know what we did is because we still walk down the street and people still comment and make lines and we watch Sports Center and we watch other things where they make references. Last of Us made an entourage reference. Wasn't necessarily positive. Go fuck yourself. But anyway, you know, it's it's we're still relevant in the culture. And this show is gonna have that same vibe while not being about twenty-two year olds in, in Hollywood. It's about grown-ups who have real issues but still funny, heartfelt, quick, fast. Like, and, and that's what I will say today. I want this to be the fastest ha- half hour on television, just like Entourage was uh, you know, in 2013. People By the way, I can't believe we've got to so many locations. Sorry, just one more thing. That's the thing that I love most about your, that's the thing I love most about your binder is, uh, <laughs> is the note about what Ramblin' is not. Yeah. I mean, what it's not. Yeah. It's, and I think that... Yep, go ahead, Kevin. Part of the pitch. Um... What were we talking about? We're what talking we about say, <laughs> what uh, we're talking about. We're talking about the pitch. We're talking about stress. We're talking about money, life. No, I was going to say, you know, listen, it, it's for to be able to to get a crack at this would be obviously special. I think I think we're all feeling a little bit of the moment. And like you said, you know, we 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 could go around and tweak forever. It's like when I when I last time I watched the pilot, I was thinking like, fuck. At that point, again, not my. Wouldn't it cost me twenty five grand? Let's put a title sequence together. Mm. You know what I mean? Like makes a big difference. It really does, yeah. right? So it's still, even though it's you know it's it's a complete thing, it's never going to have that. And the thing about the trailer was when you put the trailer music in and you have the cards, and it's like it it kind of comes to life. And I think that a title sequence, I agree, brings it to life. Now, obviously, it's too late for that because we're all we're we're literally this would have been something for a few months ago. But but also there, I, to your point. The, the trailer, which was super rough, just watching it, like, paced up and, like, lo- alive like that was, like, reinvigorating. We needed it. But We needed di- it for morale. The difference, though, in putting a title sequence together in a trailer, and, again, not to discount anything, they did such an amazing job on that trailer. Title sequence is a whole other world. You have to... Really, well, start like when you think about people, like the entourage, well, when you think about yeah, the entourage one, but there are versions of it that we could have probably banged out. But I, I'm saying it'll that, never be like the entourage. I mean, that was no, but what I'm saying is, day. what I'm saying is, you don't bang it. I'm not talking about production. You don't bang it out. You need someone to come in with the proper vision. We met 50, concepts, right? Seventy-five people till we found something that we liked. Even when we liked it, we're like. I hope it's going to be good. So we, you know, that's that's like producing. You, must have, you guys must have shit yourselves when you saw that opening I, title. I was so obsessed with it. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I, I think his name was Maurice, um, but I don't even know his name, which I should find out. Dave. We should. By so the way, we, about, should, we should get him on too, because yeah. by the way, that, that was And he also, I am so, I was until Venner, you know, called me old, our music genius, but I was so adamant about the musical choices that I wanted to use at the beginning of it. And I did not find Superhero. I had nothing to do with it. Maurice put that on the thing and I had a song written in 
in, in the script of Entourage that I thought would be the title, which was Funk 49 by Joe Walsh, ultimately became the last song in season one. But he did all of that. We did nothing. And the Lincoln, he came up with that. I came up with making it Johnny Drama's car and then making it a part of the show. But, you know, that's a whole different animal. But the trailer which I think is much more of the sales tool. And if I did it over again, which is what I wanted to do, I would have sent the trailer out to every single person in this town and said, if you want to meet, we'll come in. But we were so precious with giving out the whole pilot that we we probably burned six months. But at the end of the day, the trailer's great. We had one meeting without it. The other three meetings will have it. Um, And I feel really good about it. And it, it sums up. Everything I think about the show, not just the pilot, but everything that this show is, and you can you can distill it very clearly so you understand it. So that's my feeling, you know. That's it. So yesterday, though, we got so excited after we saw the show. In trailer. closing, we're going to close this one out. Right? Relax, chill out. We don't spend a lot of time like going to meals together. But yesterday, we went to a meal. Well, we on- never get out. Yeah, we, we, Scotty and I like we just and and it, by the way, it it made the day so much more pleasant stepping out for a lunch. We were gone for an hour. It wasn't and, a big deal. And I haven't. Well, Gary and, and I if were gone you guys, for if you guys weren't going, we wouldn't. But you guys were going. You owed Dave lunch. Well, how did you end up owing Dave lunch? I asked him if he would if he would take Boo out. Oh, he had to take Boo for a walk. So you were buying lunch. We walked down. It was a beautiful day. I don't know what Scotty did to her. We, we walked down to Trophies Burgers. <laughs> Phenomenal. And you guys. Well, I'll tell you what we did. I mean. I'm on day 30. No sugar added. No shitty white bread. No you, cheese. And, and, and you did. You guys called out. Let's go for a cheat day. You said it. You yeah. both said, yeah. let's call it a cheat day. So there's that. So Gary and I went to Trophy Burgers, which I do think. I went. We went. On Fairfax. Yeah, yeah. All right. We all went to Trophy Burgers. And I, I, honestly incredible it's like high end in and out it's a hundred times just, better than in and out which i like it's just a great burger it's just it's great a great burger and, but and we didn't know that no so no gary idea. gary recommended then he kind of started getting like cold feet because we were very excited you were killing gary about well i'm gary <laughs> a lot of pressure because the first pressure. time he hyped it up and then when we were gonna go he's like i mean look it's good how good can it be like what are you what are you expecting from this burger? <laughs> stock tip was like murder the burger what right. is it called stock dave's mad that nobody liked his burger, <laughs> burger she wrote <laughs> burger she wrote i mean burger she wrote is great it's just i don't like the meat to bun ratio i i, I haven't tried it but i'm gonna try it um I'm, you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking oh about. i get it but i might like the that bun now. needs to fit the burger because i'm trying not to eat buns but yesterday so we went crazy so we go well, let's talk about your initial orders at the burger place first okay which was mellow for me because i can tell you what my you know my high school order used to be tell me, me what you got yes let me give you a quick thing when i when i was 143 pounds in high school i we would go to mcdonald's every day it was right right next to our school and i would get two burgers nine piece nuggets Two large fries and a chocolate milkshake. And everyone used to say, do you have a tapeworm? Because that's how I ate for the last 40 years. And now I've stopped. And I'm trying everything I can. So yesterday, I said go mellow. I got a single burger. Tensions are a little high, right? So we were going. Tensions, stress is high. I got a single burger. I got a hot dog. with With the works. You got a single you uh, got, you onions, a, cheese. Yeah, it ketchup. was a pretty big thing. You had fries with that. And I you had, had a hot four dog. French fries, by the way, just so we're clear. And, you had, a hot, and you had a hot dog. I had a hot dog, but they put it on the the bun was phenomenal. And they put it on the bun, and it, it was awesome on a burger bun. Yeah. Gary opened with a double bacon cheese, yeah. spicy bro. barbecue. Yeah, he His was not shy. opener, bro. Yeah. So, but then I thought that was all it was going to be. 
I thought that. I thought that was the only. I think at that point you walk away. I, listen, Doug said earlier that we don't go out. Doug and I do love going out to. Gary, you had lunch. a bacon double cheeseburger, and then we all, me, Scotty, and Dave, are like, all right, we're gonna head back to the office. You guys are like, all right, we'll meet you back. Yeah, there. we'll meet you. We're, gonna, we're like, yeah, we're gonna talk. We're so walking we around. Don't Dave's worry about us. We'll hot be there. chicken. Then we walk. We were like, Doug wanted a slice, yeah. and uh, so then we stopped at uh, Dave's Hot Chicken on Fairfax, which does for not have chicken, a slice for chicken tenders. For chicken tenders, one chicken tender. We only ate about half each. Yeah. Very nice, though. Very nice. Okay, crispy. So you crispy. had chicken tenders. And, and we then walked across had, the street to Prime Pizza. And you had pizza. So I got two slices of pizza, but... Did I, you have any pizza? I had one bite. <laughs> two bites. Yesterday, you said you had no bites. Now you had two bites, so you ate a piece of pizza. <laughs> I did not eat a piece of pizza. No, no, and no, then no. you got soft served I had ice no cream, soft serve. You animals. So, By the way, we were there so long during this when I took... <laughs> Probably three bites of each slice. One grandma, one regular slice of pizza. Then I went to throw it out, which I know is wasteful and terrible, but I was trying to still be healthy. And Gary said, leave it on top of the garbage. I said, why? He said, a homeless guy take it. How long did that last up there? So we were on Fairfax so long that when we were walking from our fourth stop, which was John and Vinny's soft serve ice cream, a homeless guy came by eating the pizza. He couldn't have been happy. So, <laughs> so that, was, that was great. But it's then I, I got John and Vinny's soft serve. I did not have any of that. Gary walked into this office <laughs> and he collapsed on the uh, couch. And he just fucking laid there. I was like, Jesus Christ, Gary, you all right? Yeah. I mean, you are, Gary. You were like, you had to, you had to take I, a rest. I, I, too, had been eating well lately. And you, you do feel that as yeah. if you hadn't drank in for a while. You have a drink. I don't like, think I went that crazy because I think I went limited. Trophies. And actually, who knows? But I think the bun, they make it a little higher end stuff. It's not crap. Like I, I skipped. I, I, I felt like mine was a cheat meal. I, I skipped breakfast. This I could eat another burger right now. Oh, I was thinking about going to Trophies That's again. So or or to Cafe Havana. Is that what it's called? By the way, I'll be honest. I'm thinking about going to Dave's Hot Chicken. I didn't know that it was I didn't know <laughs> that it was good. It's I didn't delicious. know that it was Yeah, I very thought it was good. It's very nice. So, anyway, we had a cheat stress meal. We had a good pitch oh, yesterday. Oh, yo, you guys had the fucking cheat I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, well those that, numbers were that's why I say those those bacon th- double cheeseburger is your opener, Colin. Those numbers are nothing because in the old days I would have eaten all of it. Okay, I actually I, I mean I hate to say this because it's so disgusting, but when I used to go to New Orleans, I went to New Orleans with my, like Stu, you know, one of my best Stu. friends, and you know we hadn't been there in nine months, and I went to wherever I went my first stop. Oh, when you um, go like to your places and you got to check off your spots. Oh, yeah. and I, but we went to three dinners in one night and and got po boys, and I think. Right, right after Dom Alisi's, we still had a dinner reservation. I, I know this is disgusting. I legitimately threw up in the street. Not I, okay, I know it's disgusting, <laughs> but Dom then Alisi's I still. So but then I still went to dinner, and and that's how I used to eat. I used to have a a, a sickness. You know this bagel place you told me about? What Courage Bagels. Toby drives. Where is it? I saw Toby. Where is it? About? Is it? It in? is like East Hollywood. It's on Vermont. Toby, no, it's on uh, Virgil. Toby Virgil. drives right. from Brentwood. To get his bagels. Yeah, he's Virgil. he's smart too. You know, he stayed crisp. How good could the bagels be? It's the best bagel I've ever that had. That he would drive from Brentwood to, to David Geffen was standing online at seven a.m. But Chris from Courage just stayed at the, my house in the desert, so I now have an inn. We got a connection, Ooh. so I think we can cut the line, maybe. But maybe. but I mean, like honestly, that's really all you could ask for. It's really yeah. the only I mean, reason you know you want free bagels. Just yeah. like yo, we're coming in. We need to throw us together a baker's dozen. It is the best bagel, and also dealer's choice. Chris is also very serious about health, so I know it's a bagel, but there's no added sugar. There's no. Yeah. You know why not? Maybe that's why Toby does it. Yeah. There's a healthy. Oh, because Toby's healthy. Oh, he's super, super healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. So there's so, a healthy element to it. As healthy as a bagel can be. Yeah. I mean, Chris may say otherwise, but as far as I know, it's, you know, you know how I can tell when I eat something and I don't feel like shit, I know it's not that bad. So trophies yesterday, I didn't stuff myself with the fries. I ate the burger. I felt great. I felt good enough that I was not scared to go get a slice of pizza. I wasn't like, oh, why did I do that? I actually still feel great. And I'm going right back to it, which is. No ultra processed shit. Lots of mush, and you know that's. We it. had the burger and fries, and then we walked it off back to the office, and it was like it never. It was happened. a quarter mile from the office. That's half mile. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a walk off. Anyway, we're gonna figure out lunch. We got more pitches to come. Big week for Victory the podcast.